This is Scripture on Creation, a question and answer format radio program hosted by Dr. Ben Scripture. With a Master of Divinity, a PhD in Biochemistry, and over 30 years of experience studying and teaching about creation, he is well equipped to address current perspectives on creation, science, and intelligent design with biblically and scientifically sound answers. This and past programs are also available as a free podcast so you can listen anytime. If you have a question for Dr. Scripture, contact information follows the program. And now, Scripture on Creation. Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in our last program, we began reading about a terrible monster named Leviathan, which is mentioned by Job and later described in great detail by God himself in Job chapter 41. Yes, Scott, Leviathan, nicknamed Levi, (laughs) as described in Job. uh, No, he isn't really nicknamed Levi. (laughs) Leviathan is described in Job, though, and is apparently a fire-breathing dragon. Well, yeah, I don't know how else you would describe a creature that it says about him, his breath sets coals ablaze and flames dart from his mouth. Sounds like fire-breathing dragon to me, (laughs) or at least it breathes fire. And so with that comes all kinds of questions as to how could that possibly be? Well, you know, Dr. Scripture, it sort of sounds like something you read about in fairy tales. And so from Some people, I think, it's a passage like this that makes them think perhaps the whole Bible is a bunch of fairy tales, or at least justifies them making that claim. Yeah, and that's a very serious issue, Scott. And it is for that reason some even well-meaning Bible-believing people figure that the whole account of Leviathan in Job chapter 41 is simply symbolic, that it doesn't really describe an actual beast— but in a sense, embodies evil or represents calamity. But in our program today, I'm going to try to make the case that Leviathan was an animal that God created, perhaps on day five or maybe even day six of creation. And I'll also try to show from God's word that there is a sense in which Leviathan is symbolic of Satan. So you're saying Leviathan is a representation of Satan? Well, yes and no. I would say Leviathan is a type of Satan. Now, a type is more than just a representation of something. Let's use a couple examples of the types of Christ in the Bible. David was a type of Christ. Isaac was a type of Christ. There were amazing parallels between themselves and the Christ to come, but they were not identical to Christ. They were distinct real people in and of themselves. And so with Leviathan, there are parallels between it and Satan. But I suggest as with other types, that Leviathan was indeed a distinct, real creature. Like a serpent. Right. The serpent was also described as Satan, right? Yes. And it was for that reason then, as God described Leviathan to Job, Job knew what God was talking about. Wow. And so in the days of Job, there probably really were fire-breathing dragons? I think so. And that could explain how many civilizations have fire-breathing dragons in their stories. So maybe Leviathan could be an example of how a so-called legend is actually rooted in some form of historical reality. Yeah, but we should also point out that those legends usually get embellished and (laughs) even grossly distorted over time. Sort of like a big fish story or a great golf shot. (laughs) I'm guilty of that sometimes. So in the case of fire-breathing dragons... 
it seems to me that most dragons we read about today or see in the movies also fly. Hmm. Well, there's nothing in the Bible about Leviathan being able to fly. In fact, it seems that he spends most of his time, or at least a lot of it, in the water. Which might be why you suggested he was might have been created on day five. Right, exactly. So water creature or land creature or both day five or day six, one of those two days God created Leviathan. Well, Dr. Scripture, we've spent a few minutes talking about the feasibility of Leviathan's existence, or at least the identity of the creature. Maybe we should read more about what the Bible actually says about it after (laughs) all. (laughs) You pointed out last week, Job chapter 41 uses 34 verses to describe it. That's right. An awful lot of Scripture is dedicated to the description of this creature. So let's make sure everyone knows the context of what we're going to read. So we should also mention that Job himself mentions Leviathan way back in chapter 3 as he's cursing the day he was born. So I'm going to read Job chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Job says, Behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful shout enter it. Let those curse it who curse the day, who are prepared to rouse Leviathan. So here we see Job making a connection between Leviathan and the calamity that he has experienced in his life, wishing that that day he was born could be cursed. It's as though Job is asking that the most destructive force on earth could be called upon to destroy the day he was born. (laughs) No wonder Leviathan is used as a type of Satan. Yeah, right. And of course, Satan is behind all these things that happen to Job. But we're led to believe that Job doesn't exactly understand that. So now let's move all the way forward to Job chapter 38, where after Job and his friends have been arguing literally in circles for 35 (laughs) chapters, God steps into the debate and rebukes Job for some of the things he has said, basically by reminding Job who it is that Job has been, in a sense, scolding, Hmm. as though Job really knew better than the Almighty about how he, that is Job, should be treated. And what God does from chapter 38 on through the end of the book is essentially describe his works in creation to press the point that if he is able to make such awesome things, just think how awesome he is. Yeah. So let's start reading now in Job chapter 41. And I'd love to read the whole thing, but for the sake of time, I'll just read some of the 34 verses in this chapter. We'll start at verse 1. And remember, God is speaking to Job in this text. Can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook, or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many supplications to you, or will he speak to you soft words? Boy, if anybody thinks that God can't be sarcastic, they just have to read Job. So here God is really pointing out that you can't touch him. You're not going to tame him in any way. Then we'll move forward to verse 7. Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. (laughs) Behold, your expectation is false. Will you be laid low even at the sight of him? God is really, in a sense, making this challenge to Job. You know that you're never going to touch him. You can't capture him. You can't pierce him. Yeah, Dr. Scripture, I think that's one of the reasons why This can't be a crocodile, as some people claim, because people, even back in that day, did used to capture crocodiles and and hunt them. Well, sure, you could make some metal spear and pierce a crocodile, as tough as they might be. And certainly, you're not going to be laid low in the sense that God is talking here just by looking at him. So nobody makes shoes from Leviathan skin. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 
And then we read God's explanation. And this is really important for why he is describing Leviathan in the first place. Verses 10 and 11. No one is so fierce that he dares to arouse him. Who then is he that can stand before me? (laughs) Who has given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Now, there's a couple of things here to note. First of all, remember back when Job was talking about those who would arouse Leviathan? Mm-hmm. God is referring you back. You brought it up, Job. Yeah, and then God says, who will dare arouse him? Well, certainly, if someone would arouse him, they wouldn't arouse me, would they? And God compares himself to Leviathan. Who then is he that can stand before me? After all, this creature that you can't stand before, well, he's mine. I don't know if he's my pet, but he's mine. (laughs) You know, Dr. Scripture, this is something we see time and again throughout the Bible. God makes a claim that he owns the earth and everything in it because he created it. Exactly. And so as hands-off as Leviathan may be to man, God owns Leviathan. It's truly amazing. Now, you might think then that this would be a good stopping point for God's description of Leviathan. But you know what? He's just getting started. And it's in the next section that we learn that this beast is what we would describe as a dragon and apparently breathes fire. So now let me read starting at verse 12. I will not keep silence according to his limbs or his mighty strength or his orderly frame. Who can strip off his outer armor? Who can come within his double mail? Who can open the doors of his face? Around his teeth there is terror. So Leviathan from this description has scales, making it either a reptile or even a dinosaur. Or a dragon. (laughs) And we'll keep reading more description about this creature, starting at verse 18. His sneezes flash forth fire. And his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning torches. Sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils smoke goes forth as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals and a flame goes forth from his mouth. Now, this verse 21 that I just read is the verse that you referred to, Scott, and I just don't see how we can interpret these verses to mean anything other than this Leviathan can breathe fire. Somehow, (laughs) fire comes out of its mouth. Now, given that, this either has to be completely symbolic or it means that God made a creature that actually breathes fire. Now, let's keep reading at verse 25. It says, when he raises himself up, the mighty fear. Because of the crashing, they are bewildered. The sword that reaches him cannot avail, nor the spear, the dart, or the javelin. He regards iron as straw, bronze as rotten wood. So even as we touched on earlier, you can't pierce this thing. You can't spear it. Nobody can apparently kill this thing Mm. because no weapons that they had at the time could even pierce the skin, the armor, as God describes it, of this amazing creature. Finally, then, let's read the last few verses that describe him, starting in verse 31. He makes the depths boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a jar of ointment. Behind him, he makes a wake to shine. One would think the deep to be gray-haired. Nothing on earth is like him, one made without fear. 
And so it's from this section that we see that it spends a fair bit of time in the water. And this strange wording, one would think the deep to be gray-haired. I think <laughs> that it's talking about sort of like a white foaming mm. that when it swims through the water, it produces. So it's a sea creature at least part of the time, but it also rises up. So maybe it does go on land. And the crucial thing here is it's fearless. Man is afraid of it. It is not afraid of man. Well, Dr. Scripture, this extensive detailed description of Leviathan, it's truly amazing, but I would still like to know how we can explain how a fire-breathing dragon is real. I mean, how could it be possible from a biological standpoint for an animal to make fire? Well, aside from the fact that the Bible makes it clear that nothing is impossible for God, do you know that there is an animal alive today that essentially makes an explosion happen by mixing unstable chemicals together, in a sense, throwing fire? So an animal having the ability to make an explosion, so to speak, is not unprecedented in nature. Uh, what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about, of all things, a little beetle. <laughs> it's nicknamed the Bombardier Beetle. And it's actually a little bug that's alive today. What it does is it mixes unstable chemicals that normally occur together. And when it mixes those chemicals together, they explode. And so if something's after it, it uses this as a defense mechanism. So I don't want to say that it's actually a flame, but it is an explosion. And there are other types of chemicals that easily we can mix together that do produce a flame. So it's not unprecedented for the idea that an animal could mix caustic chemicals together that could explode. So we're not going to have time today, but next week we're going going to read about the Bombardier Beetle, <laughs> and uh, we're going to compare this then to what God could actually create in the mouth, I guess, of Leviathan to mix chemicals together and produce fire. It's not unprecedented. And so let's conclude today's program with the warning that God gave in reference to Leviathan when he said, no one is so fierce that he dares to arouse him. Who then is he that can stand before me? And that's not what I say. That's what scripture says. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the program. If you would like to hear this or past episodes of the program, listen to them on our podcast, Scripture on Creation. You can subscribe for free or listen on our website, and you can learn more about our ministry on the website, scriptureoncreation.org. Scripture on Creation is a listener-supported ministry, and your gifts and prayers are greatly appreciated. If you have comments or questions you'd like Dr. Scripture to address, you can contact him by sending an email to scripture at scriptureoncreation.org or call 574-551-1524.